Hello, and welcome to the Original Content Podcast. I'm Anthony Ha. I'm Jordan Crook. And I'm Daryl Etherington. And this week, we are going to review a new Netflix series, Lock and Key. I think we had a little little preview of this episode last week because Daryl was already raving about it. But now we're going to have a little bit more of an in-depth discussion. Uh, before we do that, let's let's talk about one piece of news that I wrote about yesterday, which is an announcement that... Adam McKay's next film, Don't Look Up, uh, is going to be on Netflix. It was acquired by Netflix. It's going to star Jennifer Lawrence, and it's going to be about two, What in the plot description, it's two low-level astronomers who are trying to warn the rest of the world that there's an asteroid approaching Earth. Well, we're sent on a press tour, so it's not like they're trying to get people to listen to them, right? Like it, it's, yeah. it's like a media tour. Which I think, I mean, the premise of this sounds really funny to me. I don't know yeah. if you guys, I, I doubt that you have, but I got into a weird phase a few years ago after Hunger Games where I watched a bunch of like Jennifer Lawrence junket interviews. Like there's like, you know, how YouTube, like they're like psycho super fans out there that are like, oh yeah, I'm going to spend 90 hours putting together these compilations. So I've watched a few of those. And I'm pretty sure that's the best version of Jennifer Lawrence is at a junket interview. So I don't, I mean, obviously this character could be written differently, but I like the premise in general. And I think for all the asteroid movies we have, I'm not sure we have a ton of comedies. Is this is the end? Is that a asteroid movie? No, I think it's no. like a biblical. That's like end religious. Of world. Yeah. Ah, like apocalypse. I think the closest is uh, seeking a friend for the end of the world, which was. Um, starring Steve Carell and Kira Knightley. I haven't seen it. That sounds like it would be good, but I didn't see it either. Yeah. Well, it's not an inherently funny situation. <laughs> it could be an inherently funny situation. I don't know. It's like a nice, it's, a, it's an absurdist funny situation, right? Because you're just like, yeah, yeah. Oh, nothing matters anymore. So let's have fun or do I the think... purge or whatever. I think it was Walter who said something about how like there's a there's a threshold between like people who are like the end of the world might be kind of interesting and people who are like what are you talking about <laughs> and I right. find that I definitely land in the end of the world might be kind of interesting bucket whatever yeah, that yeah. means for how you might feel about me but like I do think that as a concept like civilization being over or like you know some crazy epic event would be interesting to watch play out and for sure could have some funny moments i mean you normally think of it in the sense of tragedy and drama and being super intense but you know i could, I, I totally think that this could be really funny and good i'm interested to see what the execution's like yeah i'm i'm into i'm in that bucket too if you're talking about end of the world humor buckets that's or interest buckets i'm very yeah. interested in it uh do you have a go bag daryl a what a go like bag? A go no, bag no, 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 like I, a prep no. Kit or anything? Wow. I'm not personally tied to it. I would, I would be like, oh, good, the end of the world. It's fine. Let's see. I don't see think there's any reason let's to see be what invested happens. in it as a Canadian. Like, what? Nothing's gonna happen to you guys. You don't forever. <laughs> like, global warming isn't gonna touch you. No natural enemies. I mean, yeah, pretty set. It'll just be nice here, unless the asteroid hits here, I guess. Like, yeah, yeah, that's like, the only thing that could yeah. throw you off. <laughs> if the asteroid hits directly, yeah, you're screwed. It's funny because I was just writing about asteroids uh, hitting or hopefully missing Earth 
uh, yesterday because there was like an MIT uh, uh, research project where they developed a new way to like input all of the information about the asteroid and then we'll tell you like here's the best way you should take care of it and the options are basically like send a spaceship check it out and then and then based on that checkout we launch like a big rock at it uh, kind of like a like a big like piece a of metal gun. at it yeah basically just to steer it off course and then and they were like yeah like we can tell you like oh you have like between four to six years you should send two probes and one of them will like bump it and then you follow up with like a rock and that'll fix it and then if you have like less time than that you should send just one because you probably don't have that much time and then if you have under i forget what it was like two years or something it's like there's nothing you can do <laughs> like oh you're screwed God. uh <laughs> but there's like because you're not going to be able to build anything in time like aren't we just generally bad at the whole asteroid thing like couldn't like we didn't we have one a couple years ago that came like much closer than it should have without us knowing yeah yeah we're like worse at it than i think a lot of people at least until that or until you know there's a there's been a few now where like things just kind of appeared out of you know nowhere in quotes uh that because people I think felt that they were very good at the early detection and are not. And there's a number of projects on to kind of improve that. But there's also like, there's a few that um, were on track and, and some people thought they were going to hit the, the what's called the gravitational keyhole, which is like the sweet spot for like, Oh, well now Earth's going to suck it in. Like it's too close. There's no avoiding it. And one they thought was definitely going to do that in 2029. And then they thought, they, they like now say, oh, no, it's going to miss and it's going to hit like it could potentially hit geostationary orbital satellites. So really, really close. Um, but it'll pass us by. But if you're like a conspiracy theorist, you're like, well, maybe that's like like this movie. But instead, they just it's decided to us. lie about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely hitting us. We should all prep for that. <laughs> I've yeah. got a go There's bag, no. by the way, if you want to copy my go bag supply. Well, I don't think there's any prep in that case. It would just kill us, which would be better, just be right? Dead. Yeah. yeah. But well, I it mean, depends you, on where it hit, right? Yeah. yeah depending yeah. on where it hits, you might have like a full month of like <laughs> a struggle ahead of you before you actually die. So <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice to be good. the one with the gas mask. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Hello. The big problem with the go bag that I have is that I don't really have have like one very minor so i have bear spray and then i have a k-bar which is like a utility knife yeah but like honestly if like two or three big men wanted to steal all my supplies like what am i gonna do you know what i mean like yeah. am I gonna... <laughs> or like, two I don't bears have any way to like protect my... one bear yeah my my stuff yeah two bears <laughs> if i have two bears i'm in big trouble although i think <laughs> the bear spray you don't really have to use that much of it to get rid of someone so maybe the no bear probably spray not is... if it's effective on bears if yeah. it's effective on bears i don't think it takes more than a little squirt for a human but i don't know it's something i think about a lot <laughs> I'm <just gonna> be <laughs> honest. i feel I'm, I'm very much in the camp of i find the end of the world to be fictionally interesting and interesting to think about but i have like totally made my peace with the fact that like in whatever apocalypse we're talking about i'm dead immediately and that's that's okay like i like one of the sort of more morbid jokes i would tell my friends sometimes was like especially when i was living in brooklyn i was like if the bomb falls on manhattan and we find out i'm going towards the bomb i'm not going away from it because like i don't want to be here for like post-apocalyptic hunger games i just want it to be over because i just think i'm going to be so bad at it well, yeah. you got to get out immediately of New York. That's the thing. Like, you got to just, like, on foot start getting away from 
civilization as soon as possible if you don't get injured in the blast because you do not want to be here on day two day three day four yeah but none of that seems any good even even if like based on all the fiction like even months later it doesn't seem that good except i think the most hopeful probably depiction or the one that at least leaves room for hope is that station 11 that emily st john mandel novel i think Mm -hmm. i remember being like overall not not like not like the road for instance right but like even still i think i'm with anthony i think i'd just be like well let's just let's just go ahead and get this over with uh, let's call it you know because even yeah. the best possible outcome doesn't seem that great versus like before well, my opinion, <laughs> so the plan just to like share with the world you guys know where to find me and my gas mask um was to go to my grandma's farm in Georgia. Now, the likelihood of me actually making it on foot from New York City to Georgia at the end of a world scenario is very low. <laughs> like, I mean, real low. We're talking. But you've 1%. got a goal. You've got a goal. That's good. But like, you could see how if you got to some place in the middle of nowhere that has like a farm setup, you could do okay for a little while there. You could create yeah. a little bit of an oasis. Of course, then the the gangs and the the factions start pouring in and stealing your wealth. You know what you should add is you should be constantly reserving a zip car and then canceling in the whatever like the lo- least amount of time you're allowed to cancel a zip car without incurring charges. I don't even know. <laughs> I write a little script. The problem yeah, yeah, is yeah. that if it's like an EMP or a nuke, then that's all vo- voided out. Yeah, yeah. Then, then you have to find an old car. That exactly. Then you have electronic. to find something like pre '60s, and then learn how to hotwire it. So I don't. <laughs> again, chances super low of me getting anywhere. However, the scarier thing, I think, like it, I don't want to say it's easy, but it is interesting to think about, like a cataclysmic event, right? Like a nuclear bomb or a asteroid hitting the planet or something like that, right? It's mm-hmm. scarier when you think about like the the gradual, you know, um, evolution towards that, that happens as we don't even, I mean, it's happening right now. We're, it's literally happening right now. Right. And like, it's just so incremental that we're like, Oh yeah, things are still happening. Things are still going, but like, yeah, we're, we're on the edge of it anyway. I sort of, like, I don't think this is the only thing, but the biggest one is, is climate change. And so like, the fact that we're like, oh, yeah, like Australia's on fire. I guess that's just how the world is now. Like hurricanes are really bad. Like, oh, well. And like, you know what I mean? Like, we're, we're just like. Yeah. But I mean, we're working on everywhere. To, Whatever. to nuke them. So it's fine. <laughs> we're going to nuke the hurricanes. You guys yeah. remember when Florida was shooting weapons at the hurricanes yeah, and yeah. like public <laughs> officials were like, guys. It's super dangerous. <laughs> like you're not, you're not stopping anything. You're just shooting fish. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, it's, it's like it's, it's crazy because it's on the macro scale. Just to get right back to, I guess, sort of on topic, but like the options for uh, uh, like the when the asteroid comes that are like the official proposed options do involve just firing a nuclear weapon at the the asteroid. And... Oh, you think? Yeah, of course we're gonna go to all the crazy i mean when they're like the options are like send a spaceship out i'm like fuck that like nuke it like let's yeah. just, <laughs> what are we doing like why are we no just get rid of it like yeah but we'll, the, we'll do whatever it takes there'll be people at the end throwing rocks at it yeah well and one of the other ones is like a gravity cannon of sorts which like 
it's kind of like the equivalent of throwing a rock at it. Uh, I mean, the the real the solution that MIT says is actually more much more likely to succeed is is literally basically throwing a rock at it under propulsion, right? Like, so. yeah, bumping it into it because it only takes a little nudge, right? To go, particularly like the earlier you get it, right? right. You could yeah. throw it off by just the tiniest, tiniest fraction of a degree, and it, you know obviously will be very far away by the time that it's within range or whatever. Um, yeah, but that's the idea. So, I but mean, you got to hit it. That's the, you got to hit it and it's you got to like, have enough time. Cause the take like you, given its speed and it's like distance and how much it's traveling, like you need many, many years for it to like, where accumulate are we launching enough? that from, from something that's already in space? Or are we trying to get it off the ground? Like a earth to earth to space? No, yeah, it would be an earth, earth launch, um, in there premise right it's all just very speculative so we just put rockets behind a rock (laughs) yeah kind (laughs) of hope that our calculations are right yeah it's like simulation Uh, based but they promised the good thing about it i've read like a thing recently the the number of uh launch failures for like rockets and for new vehicles in particular like ones that had never been launched before in the past like 10 years or whatever has increased dramatically and the reason is oh, that my. simulation has increased so much. Like before they used to simulate and it would be like, yeah, mathematically this is true, but that has nothing to do with kind of like real world scenarios. But now they can simulate real world conditions so well that like basically the models reflect what happens IRL, right? So that that's a hopeful thing to think about. Oh, wait. So these. I thought you were saying the amount of failures of new launches is going up, but you're saying it's going down. Yes, sorry. Yeah, Failures yeah. going down, success going up. Yes, exactly. Okay, yeah, that confused me at first. But yes, that makes a lot of sense. It was when you, when you the way you phrased it at the beginning, I was like, how are we getting worse at this? And then how are <laughs> simulations to blame? Like, I don't understand. Okay, I'm back on track. Um, do we want to talk about lock and key now that we've covered yeah, the that. end of the world? <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let's move into lock and key, which, again, is on Netflix it is a 10-episode series based on a comic book series by Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez. Uh, I was talking to Daryl beforehand. I don't think either of us has read the comic. Well, I've read a few issues, but haven't read much of it. But um, I'm a huge fan of Joe Hill's uh, horror writing. I think he's like an amazing short story writer. Um, random bit of trivia, Joe Hill is short for Joe Hillstrom King. He's Stephen King's son. Um, and there's like some overlap here with some actors who've been in some Stephen King adaptations and stuff. But this is like, I mean, there's some horror elements to it, but it's pretty different from like a sort of core Stephen King story. It's not quite as as horrific. Um, Daryl, do you want to just explain the basic concept? Yeah, sure. So it's the the basic concept is like there's a family. Um, and it includes like three three kids, pretty uh, uh, wide ranging in age. Like the the oldest is I think like seventeen or something, and then there's like a sixteen year old, fifteen year old girl, and then a small child who's like what I don't know how to judge children. Eleven? <laughs> I can't it either. Uh, anyway, something like that, and and then there's like. They they have a issue a tr- family tragedy where the the father is killed and you kind of like find out about this in in pieces and in flashbacks about how exactly that happened. But um, the main action is driven by the mother brings them all home to a um, 
basically like a large country house that they had owned, but I don't, they hadn't occupied previously. They would, they lived in Seattle. The father uh, had, it's like, it's the father's childhood. Yeah. Home, right. It's the father's mm-hmm. childhood home. Um, so they go there kind of because they, I mean, it's intimated that basically they don't have any options. Like they're, they need the, the free place to stay. Um, and, uh, they try to start out, uh, you know, fresh in this new place and then, but they discover, you know, there's creepy shit going on with the house and, uh, basically the youngest child starts kind of like hearing things and those lead him to discover these keys and then the keys, uh have magical properties and sort of do various things and then obviously uh a bad guy or a bad person shows up um to to be kind of to drive the the you know the the arc of the story uh and it's kind of the kids against the bad person um in a fight over these these keys and kind of the power they wield so that's basically the premise well and the adults don't like remember magic so like the whole i don't know about you guys so i didn't love this show i didn't hate it either i like kind of am very curious about how the season wraps up and there were certain things that really piqued my interest um obviously i think it's framed that way specifically like where you piecemeal out this information that makes you kind of hang on i will say though that i was frustrated the whole time by the fact that like i said the adults don't remember magic so even if it's like put in their faces they like instantly forget about it so it really is like the kids who are the arbiters of this power and i get really annoyed by shows that give children access to great power because they tend to do really fucking stupid things with it and it just like, I don't know, it's like it goes against my personality or whatever. I just don't, I get really upset when the kids do stupid shit with these keys or like with the magic. I'm just like, oh, you guys, be careful, be smart. Yeah, you guys feel I like think, that? I mean, well, for for young adult literature, usually that's like a core part of it, right? It's like, because mm-hmm. kids feel... Like they don't, especially when they're, you know, in that cusp age of like they're gaining sort of more self-awareness and awareness of their situation, their surroundings. But they like still are in the care and ultimately the the power of their parents, right? Like they don't, they feel powerless and therefore they have these like, they really gravitate towards these stories wherein they can um, uh, emulate or like whatever, identify with the the heroes who are the same age as them, but have power and can control it and uh, right. do so in a way, which is like totally independent of their um, guardians or, you know, the people I totally get are. it for like a certain audience. It makes perfect sense. Right. But I just like, as an adult, I'm like, maybe don't tell people about the magic or like, maybe <laughs> don't, you know, like, I don't know, go be a, put yourself in a position with the magic where you don't know what the fuck you're getting into. Like one of these keys eventually is going to murder someone. And then what are we going to do? Right? Like, yeah. <laughs> so, and they're just like, they're so like careless about it. It just drives me insane. One of the things that's interesting to me about it is how I think when I think about young adults and I haven't necessarily read a lot of young adult, but I just think about movies like the hunger games and things like that is it seems like those usually adolescent characters who then are given this like power and responsibility, they tend to end up being super competent in this way that's not believable at all, but you sort of accept it that, oh, a teenager could become this hero in this context. And 
in this show, I feel like they lean more into the idea that these guys really are kids and they do really stupid things, as you say. And on the one hand, I find that much more believable than a lot of the other YA stories I've been exposed to, but it is incredibly frustrating. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And they do, and I think it's they, they have like a internal narrative frame too of like the flashbacks to the dad and their interaction when they were of similar age, but possibly a little bit older than especially the younger kids. So you you get this sense and even they acted like you know stupidly possibly but not as i guess uh selfishly or like childishly with some of this no, stuff. the girl the girl definitely was stupid What's yeah, yeah. kinsey yeah right. no well, yeah specific plot thing that happens that we probably shouldn't disclose right. yet but uh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so i mean I'm there's a reason for it, it but it's but annoying I, I, yeah, it is annoying. It's it, it's. I think it's interesting in that it changes some of the stuff of like a Harry Potter or whatever. It it makes it much darker. Um, but it's like the other the, like that stuff and and their stupidity and their kind of like that's also built into a lot of these things. And it has to have real stakes for it to be effective, right? Like think of Hunger Games too. Like that's pretty dark, and there are a lot of stakes to the very uh, weighty decisions that a lot of characters have to make that are that are fatal right in some cases so i think i think that's a lot of what's going on and uh, but admittedly i kind of like was watching it and i was like i don't really know who this is for like my assumption was that it was for young adults but it's so there are parts of it that are so dark that you're kind of like is this for them but i guess that's perhaps not giving enough respect to that audience right like they can handle things that are that are mature, um, but I know I was watching it and I was like, "Oh, I feel like this is more. This leans more towards like adult horror in some parts, even though it's not super horrific, because uh, otherwise I wouldn't be able to actually watch it." But no, I think uh, you're right, Daryl. It's like it like hasn't decided like who's watching, and so it's right. like, well, we'll throw like some gratuitous, you know, dark horror in for this age group and then we'll have a really charming sweet like ya romantic conversation between these two young people and then you know and then we'll have like i don't know some crazy ass super dark flashback that's like more like for the politically minded and then you know like i don't know it's just it's very it, it's weird i, I agree with you daryl yeah I, I mean, to me, definitely the thing that it reads in general to me like it feels like it's more for a young adult audience. And again, that doesn't mean it can't, you know, young adult can be very dark for sure. Um, and, and but it has something about like adolescence discovering superpowers and the focus on high school friendships and relationships definitely gives it a YA feel. But then one of the things I really like about the show, but creates some of that confusion is it's really also focused on the fact that this incredibly traumatic experience happened to them, to everyone in the family right before the show started. And there's like a lot of flashbacks, like you're saying. And I think, mm -hmm. again, it's like totally realistic. And I appreciated that about the show, the idea that it's not just this thing we talk about once in a while and feel sad about, but like, especially if you are a child and I mean, I don't think this is a spoiler because I think it's part of the setup of the show is like, and your, your dad is murdered in front of you that is going to be something that stays with you for a long time and is going to make it really hard for you to try to have a normal life. And so the fact that they, I really appreciated the fact that they explored that, but it also made me think like, oh, I wonder like if I'm like 14 years old and I'm watching this, does this make a lot of sense to me? 
Yeah. I like that they explored that too. And I like that they made sure to clarify like that experience of what happened with their dad was actually different for each one of them. Right. Like they all had Mm -hmm. a different experience of it. They were all present ish, but their experience of going through it was different. Right. Like the mom had a different experience than the son had a different experience than the daughter, than the youngest son. And they like worked that in as well. Like it wasn't just this like blanket one size fits all like, dad was murdered and like we're all going through the feelings of dad was murdered it was like no there are different nuances to each of their um perception of that and experience of that and i thought that was well done as well Mm -hmm. i also really liked um i was pleasantly surprised so i'm not a fan of the kid the actor who plays the kid for whatever reason like i just don't like him Mm -hmm. the youngest one yeah the youngest one like I don't know. It's like too much. Oh, he's he's glee. cute, but he's also annoying in the way that you're talking about that he makes the worst decisions. <laughs> he makes the worst decisions and, and he is kind of cute, but he's also kind of like annoying. I don't know. I, I'm just not a fan of kids that age in general, I don't think. But then the teenage kids, I thought were, I was pleasantly surprised. I think I like kind of wrote them off. Like the guy is pretty good looking. And I just thought like, oh, another like good looking, you know. 19 year old actor who's coming into but i thought he did pretty well and i definitely was impressed with the girl who plays kinsey i mean we can talk more in spoilers about what i think she was able to pull off but i i think she did a much better job than i initially expected and then i'm actually a a pretty big fan of the woman what's the name of the mom anthony do you know the actor's names in this one yet right her name is uh the actress is darby stanchfield Darby Stanchfield, yeah, she was in Scandal, so I'm actually like uh, familiar with her, and I I liked her. Although she has a really challenging role in a different way, because as you said, the adults don't remember magic, mm-hmm. and so there's this weird thing where she's kind of walled off from the main plot, and and then she becomes more and more involved as the, as the season goes on, and they're they're sort of creative with that, but. I was sort of surprised when I realized that she's the the first uh, listed actor in the credits. So she's like ostensibly the star of the show. But in fact, like she's completely oblivious to the real plot that's going on, at least for the episodes that I've seen. Yeah, I think it just makes that like feels like more of a political thing than anything else. Her being listed first, like she is, at least in my opinion, the most familiar actor on the show and probably just like negotiated that. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, well, I'm Darby totally. Stanchfield. <laughs> yeah. That name, I'm sorry, Darby Stanchfield. It's a great. I don't know what it sounds like to me, but it's something. It makes me giggle. Um, do we want to get into spoilers, or is it too early for that? Do we have more pre thoughts? Because I actually, I only watched a handful of episodes, and I do want to know what happens without having to watch it. So I'd love to be able to hear. <laughs> uh, well, let's, maybe let's talk a little bit more about the um, the actors because I do think oh, like. Okay. Uh, I agree that I think both of the, especially the teenage actors are are really like not necessarily amazing actors, but they have a real presence. And over the course of the show, I feel like they both became a lot more interesting and likable to me. I would also say that, I mean, I'm somebody who like has a very close relationship with my sister and I'm like very interested in seeing sibling and specifically brother sister relationships on screen. And so I feel like that relationship where there's clearly a lot of pain and anger and competitiveness, 
all kind of tied together and the way they try to navigate that is to me that's probably the most interesting relationship in the show are you oldest or youngest anthony uh i'm oldest oldest yeah me too you are Darryl, too, right? i can't remember are you i'm i'm oldest daryl are you middle or youngest or are you you're youngest oldest, right oldest you're oldest really yeah i don't know why i thought you had a bunch of older brothers um <laughs> i don't I, I have no idea why i thought that but anyway um yeah i do think that like particularly the i think the kinsey the the sister is a more compelling mm-hmm. individual character to watch um like in general although i think they did a good job writing for tyler the brother um to kind of keep up with her or at least like be there with her right um in terms of like interest but i do think that the dynamic of him tyler as like this dad you know is like something that was definitely really interesting to me and i i thought they did a good job with it where he was really kind of laying down the law and being very um, protective of them and kind of taking on that responsibility. I, you know, there are a billion memes on the internet about oldest siblings being like, I didn't sign on to have a baby, you know, <laughs> like to have a kid <laughs> to worry about. Um, yeah. It's funny. Cause like, I feel like I, at one point had, when we were adults had a conversation with my younger sister where I was like, yeah, I basically raised you. Right. I was like your third parent. And she was like, no, that's, that is not a correct read of the situation. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's the only thing I wanted to talk about before we got into spoilers. So maybe we should dive into spoilers now. So if you have not seen the entire first season of Lock and Key and you don't want to know what happens, you should stop listening now. Yeah, okay. Spoilers. Here we go. Hit us. So it's, it's a pretty convoluted plot, which, uh, it's hard to go over everything. How many fucking keys are there by the end, you guys? Honestly. Uh, I don't remember the number. There's so many. Like, I was yeah, in episode four, and there were, like, 12 keys. And I was like, what in the world is going on? Like, how am I supposed oh, to really? I was gonna going to say, on? I feel like there's only, like, six or seven total, but maybe I'm Well, wrong. I mean, 12 might have been slightly hyperbolic. So could episode four. But, like, there's still a lot, right? Yeah. But most of them don't really, you know, they, there's one or two, and they're just kind of it's like, oh, there are keys. Like they're just there to like fill out. Like there are keys, and they do different things, but they don't. You don't need to know about them that much or whatever. Um, Maybe. Yeah, but like, though. So the whole the plot is like we said. Like there's the the family, and their the father has just died um, pretty recently, and he was murdered. And they show this relatively early on the the flashback with the a kid murders him basically his son's age. Uh, and it turns out that, that, that kid had been his son's friend because the dad was a guidance counselor at the school and was like, this kid is troubled and then made his son be friends with this kid, uh, basically to try to help him. Um, and also to keep an eye on him. So it's, you know, pretty hits them pretty hard. They are there. Like the son just gets home in time to see, uh, his, dad gets shot and then the mom gets shot too but she doesn't get killed she um bashes this kid over the head uh when he's distracted by the son and then also the kinsey and the younger boy are there too but they're hiding um from the the murder boy or whatever so that after this happens at some point they leave seattle uh and move to this house which is called key house and 
it's a small town. Everybody knows about Key House. Um, oh yeah, I should say the whole show starts like right away with like you know there are keys and they do crazy shit because you get a no context opening of like a guy um, getting a call about the the dad being killed and then going into his house, closing the door and then taking out a key and inserting it into his own chest and turning it and then he like burns up and the house burns up. Uh, so wait guys help me real quick i'm sorry if this is jumping ahead but we have limited time and i need answers this guy it was i assume one of his childhood friends yes yes we find out later he's one of the the group of childhood friends that had found these keys uh at the the dad uh who lock lock is the family right hence the pun of the title most graphic novels just just named after puns i i swear to god i think that a lot of the, the graphic novels that are not tied to like existing Marvel DC properties, people just like come up with a pun and then write a story around the pun. And yeah, so you think the title <laughs> always comes first? Like someone was yeah. like, lock and key. I like the way that sounds. I like the yeah. way that feels. I like the concept. I'm going to write an entire graphic novel around it. <laughs> so I, another biographical confession. I did a treatment for one called Even Steven. <laughs> that was almost like it was the same idea i was like oh yeah what if we just call it this and i think that the, the pun name did precede it but basically it was like there are two characters one named even one named steven and they their job is to uh, maintain karmic balance so they do bad things sometimes and good things sometimes and you should not be saying this on the podcast no. you're giving away like an amazing idea tm 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 copyright do you know that <laughs> even you know about even stevens right I know about the Disney show, which came long <laughs> after this, by the way. Long after this. Uh, oh, it's so funny. And it's Shia LaBeouf, which just like m- makes everything murkier and weirder. I love it. Okay. Yeah. Um, but there's, a, there's six pages inked that exist on this somewhere, if I can ever find it. On the right. Internet? No one steal this idea. It might be on the internet somewhere. I know that it's... I, I had the files. I think we put it up on the internet somewhere. Sometimes Anyways, I just Google y'all, you know? Oh, yeah. See yeah. what comes up. But the go, going back to it, yeah. So, like, the guy, it turns out, and the person who called him are both uh, childhood friends of uh, the dad. Um, what's his name? Some, Daniel Locke? Something? Something. Mr. Randall. Locke. Randall. Randall. Yeah, that's Randall right. Locke. Ren- Randall yeah. with an E, which is very Randall. strange. Randall. Randall Locke. God. Uh, so, they... Um, yeah, so then later you find out through flashbacks, like, they all had found these keys earlier uh and kind of like had fun with them and basically experimented and like did all kinds of cool stuff and really ran into no issues until and this is jumping around like this is not how it unveils in the plot um but if you're in spoiler right, we're sort of doing it in chronological order yeah yeah of the of like what actually happened they found all these keys there's this one that lets you go inside your own head there's one that separates you from your body so you're a ghost and can fly around um and you know there's one that changes your face there's all kinds of cool keys there's one that opens doors anywhere so you put it into any lock and the door goes to wherever you want it to go um as long as you've seen the door before yes right so then they uh they find one they find a cave underneath like the house kind of like in the ocean near the ocean a sea cave and there's a blue door back there and they find a key that opens that i think it's called the omega key uh because it's an omega shaped uh door which you know nicely looks like a keyhole kind of 
and then they open that and basically like it's a weird phantasmagorical blue nothing world but these gold bullets shoot out of it and yeah so these gold bullets are flying out of the door and then one of them hits one of their friends and they think it's fine and the friend is tyler i believe no no tyler's the name of the kid no, it's uh, lucas or whatever lucas, right lucas, like yes. the boyfriend of ellie yes so they all think it's fine they go back to the the basement um but then lucas starts acting strangely he's asking about the keys he really wants all the keys uh and then he gets violent and aggressive and i think he accidentally he throws one of them against a wall and does that person die i haven't seen this far so i don't know where we're at the last thing that i saw was that i think it's lucas was alive in ellie's house yeah 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 so that happens later but like in the flashback lucas or someone kills like lucas kills at least one of them maybe two of them Uh, i think he puts one in a coma um and then he the rand rendell kills him so the kid's dad kills him uh by like attacking him from behind and bashing him with a shovel or something and rendell's kid brother also sees this uh which is bad news obviously but then they use one of the keys to remove those memories from his brain one of the keys lets you go into people's brain and they just Mm -hmm. go in and pick them out and leave them so then he always has this spotty memory about what goes on later on um but that's one of my favorite images in the show by the way when they actually find the key that uncovers his memories and you just see them rising up out of the ground out of the ground yeah Yeah. it's pretty cool and like paint jars they do a really i I will say they do a really good job of like bringing the keys to life visually right like the first one is like a key through a door that will take you to anywhere so that's kind of cool but like basic and then once we start getting like the head key, for example, where you, you know, can actually go into a physical space that represents someone's mind like that was done, I think, really well. The ghost thing was done like f- reasonably well for, I assume, what is a relatively low CGI budget. Um, and, you know, overall, I think they did a pretty good job. Even the the ballerina box that lets you control someone's body like the way that that was shot and done was done well, you know? Yeah. So I, I liked it. Yeah, no, they were all, all the effects were good. And even the, and the, the ballerina box required like good work by the actress on that part. And she did a very good job. So I think they did a great job overall with kind of like the visual effects and the, and never making it feel too fake or, or weird. And what, ha- what, what helps with that is that, and I'll, I'll just quickly wrap up the kind of ro- the remainder of the story, but like, Turns out that the, a demon is inhabiting uh, Lucas now and has taken over his body. And they banish this thing to a well. Um, or no, they kill it. And then one of them brings them back using a key that allows you to bring people back as an echo. But they're, she's trapped in a, or he's trapped in a well. And he tricks the kid because he can shapeshift and he turns into a woman. So part of the, the great, I think part of the better plot issues of this is that like you don't realize until later on that Lucas and this woman who is the apparent villain are actually the same people. Um, Wait, so the, the woman or the apparent woman is Lucas's echo or it's the demon that was possessing Lucas. So it is both like essentially when the echo returns and echoes can't be killed, which is another crucial plot point echoes of people that you return cannot be killed. Uh, But they're also supposed to be limited to the well room. But because 
the echo comes back and essentially when the echo comes back it's just a demon lucas is gone um but it both can't be killed and then it gets the anywhere door from the little kid and as long as it has the anywhere key it can it can leave the well room so that's how it gets out of the well room and then it's unkillable uh and that sets up kind of the later stuff but also it can shapeshift because it has the face key so it becomes this like you know very attractive woman who then manipulates people in various ways so uh, but and meanwhile, to be clear the the echo is a demon that w- once inhabited lucas yeah well so basically randomly the, because they move in is that no. why she comes back or he comes back I don't no know. sorry so one after they kill um lucas ellie is very upset and uses the echo key to bring him back thinking like he will just return right uh out of desperation kind of and instead the demon returns because essentially once hit with the bullet the person is gone there's nothing remaining of them like the demon just inhabits their form right right so the thing that randall killed looked like lucas but was actually just the demon uh and then when ellie returns the echo uh, using that key, it actually just brings back the demon, but still so, in Lucas's form. So you can kill if I go down there and get shot with one of the gold bullets, and someone kills me, they kill both me and the demon, unless yes. one of you guys bring me back with the echo key. In which case, yeah. you're only bringing back the demon because I'm gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the echo key brings back whoever died, and the demon inhabits the person entirely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Got it. So. So Lucas was dead and the demon, but the demon is, is just as mortal as the rest of us when they're inhabiting a human form. It's just through this like double whammy of having been returned as an echo that it became invulnerable, which obviously is bad news for everybody else. Yeah. Wait, so then how, how does it end? I mean, is it a pretty, um, you know, conclusive ending or does it feel like it's just setting up season two? No, no, they're definitely setting up season two. So it ends with, um, the, they there's there's another thing there's too many MacGuffins not MacGuffins but there's too many like sacred objects in this like I just talked about the echo key and then the omega key that they were looking for so she's looking for the omega key so she can open the door and let back in more demons Um, and then she's also looking for the crown of shadows and the crown of shadows uses another key so there's objects and keys. Like some some keys only work with certain objects. And I feel like every like, every important object should be a key. Why are there other things that are not keys? Well, the the music box is a good example, right? It lets you control oh, people. Okay, fair enough. And then another one is that there's a cabinet that if you break something, you can put it in the cabinet, lock it with the cabinet's key, and then open it, and the the thing comes back. Like the thing is fixed. There are so many keys, you guys. Like, yes. There are so many keys. Well, and then, and then there's the crown of thor- shadows, which seems particularly bad because it's a crown. Uh, and you use a key with Good it, point. and it you wear it, and and then like you get shadow minions basically. So like shadow minions come out of you and will do your bidding and can harm people, and they're only vulnerable to light because they're shadows. So as soon as you shine a light on them, they disappear. So she uses that to attack the whole family. Um, like the mother has forgotten everything again because she she this poor can't, mom she can't remember magic she can when she's drunk it turns out it turns out she's an alcoholic <laughs> and she starts drinking again oh no she starts drinking again oh wait it's oh, horrible yeah, it's eventually. actually very serious and like and and hard to take in the context of the show but she 
does that and then she can remember all the magic and then wait can you tell me why she starts drinking uh i forget what finally breaks her her down because like she's already going through so much the fact that she was like remaining sober through her husband's death after all of that you know what i mean like it might be after oh my god that kid comes back like the fucking yeah uh, yeah sam who does the murder yeah he's he's enlisted by dodge which is the name of the the demon okay to come back and attack again so yeah, he holds them hostage. I, I I can't remember if that. I think that's what prompts her. But anyways, she does that. They all realize she can remember now. They they kind of like enlist her help, but they're also like, you can't drink anymore. Like they get mad because they know the signs and everything. She is ashamed, manages to kick it again, but then forgets it. And they have an actual conversation where they're like, I don't know what we're conflicted because now it's like she's here. And she's like to get to your point earlier, like it's, she's fully participating and present, and this is good to have her there. But also, she's an alcoholic, and this is not safe or good or healthy for her. Uh-huh. So they're like they don't want to lose her, but then they do want her to kick the the drinking. Uh, so they're a bit conflicted about it. But it's another area where it's like very serious, right? Like they have the debt, they have like they have suicides, multiple suicides, I think, and then they have that. Like it's. You know, there's a lot of dark shit in this that's that's pretty advanced. Uh, but people put up with the dark, advanced shit in their own lives, right? So I don't think it's necessarily out of place. Yeah. Um, but anyways, after the Dodge attacks with the Crown of Shadows, and they kill one of the shadows that reverts to her form, seems to revert to her form, uh, unconscious. And then they all agree the only way to get rid of her is to throw her back through the demon door. So they do that. And it seems like it's good, and then it's kind of wrapped, and then you realize, like, oh, she forced Ellie to take her face, and then like knocked her out, and then put her there. So they threw Ellie into the demon dimension. Uh, it's okay. I'm not really a huge fan of Ellie. Like, yeah, she well, she, ha, Ellie did some bad shit. Her. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like a lot. I think that's she part did, of like, why some... they use her as the sacrifice for it, because then you're not quite. You're like, it's. They it could have happened to worse people, although she does somewhat redeem herself in the show. Um, but then it like after that, like basically last thing before credits, it's revealed not only did Dodge like avoid it, but also the girl who is the popular girl who's controlled by the music box who helps them in the end. Like she be- comes to their side and becomes a friend or whatever. She's shot by one of the bullets when they're throwing her back through. So she's another demon now. Oh, and no. and <laughs> Dodge took the form of one of the boys that the the teen daughter was interested in and you only just found out now like oh she had a third personality throughout so she was always the guy in the band or the film group who's like the small white guy mm-hmm. if you know yeah. what i'm talking about yeah gay uh yeah she's also always him and so she's Wait, the been whole time the whole yes. show he oh no oh yeah. that makes sense cuz i feel like he's definitely like pushing her to do like some not great not smart decisions yeah. like, like with the music box he's the one who encourages her yeah yeah exactly and then she it kisses feel him because he was like fine with that <laughs> where he was yeah. like yeah he was totally down. Yeah. yeah like i was like what kind of sociopath is this but later she kisses him and it turns out she's dating both the guys at the same time because she's taking the fear out of her head so she's doing kind of like reckless oh thing. yeah i thought that whole concept by the way like i i would definitely want to make a point of like what that actress was able to do with 
the just difference in vibe you yeah know? like a lot obviously there's hair and makeup and things that go into that but you have to give a ton of credit to that actress from essentially going from like this person who almost gave you like secondhand anxiety from watching her like just so shaky and uncomfortable and like frail to like fearless brave you know like the, the it she did a really good job with that and it was just so noticeable and like refreshing like it almost like just reinvigorated me to watch the show altogether just that like change you know and that concept you know to be able to like take something out of your brain put something into your brain like some of that stuff was just fun and cool and i like the way it seemed really smart the way they like told that story where it starts out being really liberating and you're like yeah like you know like own your confidence like that's this is great and then oh, but I over was so time, nervous like, the whole time <laughs> yeah and then you realize oh right uh fear could be a good thing yeah yeah but no it's, her her reversal was great and it was you know i thought that was one of the strongest parts of the story it was like they had the immediate impact and it was so dramatic of her her reaction to like her father's death like jordan was saying where they all have different reactions and they're all interesting and good and compelling and like well done by the actors and hers was so so well done in that she became she like really like closed in on herself right she became very introverted and shut off and like cautious and and fearful well, and like trying to protect the the family so like you, it's worth noting that when the shooting happens of the father he's shot the mom so she's down she's her leg is wounded and she's down he shoots the dad and kills him the brother is locked out of the house at the front door and can see and hear what's happening but can't get into the house and then the daughter is with the youngest son under a table that's covered in plastic wrap and the shooter has now left and come down after her and she's holding her she's holding Bodie's mouth shut to keep mm -hmm. him quiet trying to hide. I don't know about you guys as older siblings, but like that really hit me for like how not seriously I took this show, like that scene and that moment, like that fear and trying to protect your baby sister, baby brother, like that's so intense. You know what yeah. I mean? And um well, I yeah, thought, was... like that painted the picture of what you're talking about, of like who she became after that, of like trying to, you know, keep the family together, but just like being so afraid, like just so scared of what you could lose, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because that was absolute terror. Right. And then it seems like she doesn't she never leaves that space. Right. And then she gets and, and the thing that like the thing that how they personify her terror like her terror demon essentially from like inside of her is also really well done. I think it was just her dressed as like a basically a, a horror Goth. monster right yeah, yeah. but uh Goth scratches yeah 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 like a well girl basically but she she does a really good job i i really did like her i didn't uh, back to your early comment about the, the older guy i didn't like him but i think it, i was biased against him only because i told anthony before we started recording like i watched this uh falling skies sci-fi show on tnt and he was in it and he kind of grew up through it and he was super annoying the whole time but and and uh, you could there was enough of that in this that I was like oh I hate this guy because I always hated him in that show but I don't think I'm being fair like I think he did a much better job uh, in this mm -hmm. one so yeah um, so Daryl I know you've got to go pretty soon but I'd love to maybe just hear I feel like you were the one who loved this show out of all us all of us I mean I liked it but I wasn't like oh man I got to immediately tell everyone how much I love it so. 
I would love to like just hear kind of what it was that made you so excited about this show. Well, I thought I I really think they did a great job of setting up their the universe and making it believable and consistent throughout. And then it did have a lot of twists, as I just described. But I felt like they were all compelling twists that were um, that didn't seem unnecessary or like just just inserted to accomplish a certain plot goal. Like they all seemed like they flowed logically, and and even even some of the keys like and some of the things they did and some of the ways they figured out how to use them, like none of them seemed like, Oh, this one's so perfectly designed to advance the plot in this way. Right. But with the exception of maybe the, the, the face changing one, which is, you know, p- sets up all the kind of like crucial twists. But, um, it, it, when I said them in that way, like compressed like that, it did seem like a lot. And it seemed like you could, he- you could he- listen to that and think like, Oh, that sounds bad. But I would <laughs> encourage you not to, because I think, I think it was all really well done. And I think even though some things were, were very telegraphed, like the fact that it was Ellie who was thrown through the, the demon door, uh, rather than, than actually dodge. Like that was obvious as it was happening. And had that been the final, you know, uh, twist or whatever like it would have been very unsatisfying but they added the other layer of like oh you thought that was the thing but the thing is actually that she's been manipulating them in this other way the entire time uh and also now has a partner right for for season two so i, I think it was great i'm looking forward to the next one i think uh it, yeah it's it's just one of those shows where like internally i just think everything was done to a very high level of quality like the actors the world building the script uh like everything was a consistent level of quality it wasn't lumpy or uneven so even if it wasn't like the greatest thing i've ever seen it was just like very compelling easy to watch um and yeah i think everybody did a good job that was involved cool should we wrap things up there yeah unless somebody wants to offer a a contrasting opinion but i think you, you already have kind of throughout i mean i i throughout i thought it was i it was fun for what it was. You know what I mean? Like it's definitely not just in the genre of things that I gravitate towards. Like it kind of reminded me of Winona Earp in a way where it's just like, kind of like too silly magic for me, you know? And like even the more well done, I think versions of some of these like comic book stories, what's the one that you guys like so much with Ellen page umbrella Academy umbrella academy like even that i wasn't like a super fan of right so like i it's just not in my wheelhouse but for what it is it's fun and good and you know interesting for sure kept me like somehow wondering what was going to happen next despite the fact that like during most episodes i was like what in the world there's another key like what are you doing kid you know like i was just i was mad i was mad at ellie like why aren't you telling her like her kids are in danger like tell her what you know i don't know what you know but tell her you obviously know something you know like i was just frustrated with everyone but maybe that's the purpose maybe that's you know how these shows are supposed to be watched i don't really know yeah i do think the plotting is really strong and there were a lot of moments where i was just like oh that is not you know like that is like a really good twist and i feel like just listening to you outline the ending of the season i had the same response i was like oh yeah that's good those are those are good answers to the questions i had so um i i like it i wouldn't say i'm crazy about it but i'm, I'm excited to finish it up Um, and with that, I will say 
Thank you again to everyone for listening. Just as a reminder, you can always leave us a review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can also do that on any other podcast app. It helps us out no matter what. And uh, Daryl and Jordan, have a great weekend. Yeah, you too. You too.